We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, and welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 292. Our guest today is an FEI dressage rider. He is the founder of Equibody Fitness, and he is really passionate, obviously, about riding, but to really make programs to help create riders using fitness to really improve their riding. So without further ado, please welcome our guest today, Jack Latour. Hey, Jack. Hey, how are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm really good. Really good. Awesome. Happy to be back in Florida. Yeah, right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. I know that you are about to enter busy season being in Florida over the winter, um, but yes. I would love to kind of rewind and see a little bit about how you first got started in the horse world. Yeah. So like you mentioned, I'm currently in Wellington, Florida uh, for the winters, and then I'm up in North Carolina typically for the summers. But I grew up in Texas, uh, right around San Antonio. And so when my family, we moved from uh, just south of Houston to San Antonio, uh, when I was about 10, my mom decided at 43 that she wanted to start riding horses. And I was like, that sounds kind of cool. And so I started riding. And uh, so we just did that together. Essentially, we just kind of started learning together. Just when we basically right off the bat started in dressage, and then just started taking lessons. And we're like, oh, this is kind of cool. And we ended up buying a horse and just going further and further. Then uh, I don't know if you know who Lendon Gray is. I don't yeah. know if you've heard of her. Yeah. So I did her, I, I did a clinic with her. And that was one thing my mom was really, really adamant about was she made sure to put me in front of like really, really good teachers, which was, I'm, I'm really thankful for. Yeah. Um, and so I, I got a clinic with Lendon and then heard about her um, winter intensive program in Wellington. Um, and I had just gotten a, uh, a Dutch warm blood and we were hoping to do the juniors. And so heard about this, uh, the winter intensive. I'm like, okay, let's go to Florida. Uh, so 2018, I did my, my first season uh, in Wellington. And that kind of introduced me into the more kind of top sport dressage. So like what, like what could be uh, if I continued down with the whole horse thing. And so that was an amazing introduction to just the, the horse world at large. And I met uh, Liz Austin through that. I met Ali Brock and my trainer now, JJ Tate. Nice. Um, all of them essentially through connections from London. And so most recently, I've been training with JJ for about a year, give or take, maybe a year and a half. And um, this past summer, she went over to Germany and I, she invited me to come with her. And so we, uh, so I was in Germany for three months and I just got my my new mare, uh, Sakari, who is amazing. I love mm. her. And so when I was in Germany, I got to go to the Chio Aachen show. Nice. Which was incredible. And so it was just like, I thought that Wellington was like, oh, this is the pinnacle of dressage. And yeah. then I went to Aachen and I was like, okay, never mind. This is. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wellington, that yeah, is so yeah. cool. Obviously, aside from your equestrian, you know, interests and goals, you also have a passion for fitness. So how did you kind of start exploring fitness? Have you always been into it? And how did you find it, you know, fitting it into your riding career? Yeah. So I think I, I started like most people do. It's like right right around like towards the end of high school, I was like, 
I want a six pack. That sounds really cool. Yeah. Uh, and, so, and so originally it was entirely vanity focused, which I don't recommend. Um, <laughs> and, but I, I bought like my first like workout program of just like kind of get a six pack that very basic. Um, but it just like started teaching me about like things like progressive o- or overload program design. And so I just started there and I just started learning. And then I kind of did essentially different versions of that same idea where it's like, I mostly just want to be big, strong and, and look good. And then right around last year, actually during, during season in Florida, I was, uh, I had a, a gelding who he was, he was really, really tight and just kind of old and stiff. And we'd kind of pulled him essentially out of a field mm-hmm. and like kind of brought him back to life and got all his vet stuff figured out. And um, he ended up making it back to Grand Prix, which was amazing for wow. me. But while we were kind of in that process, a month out from my, like, like I was going to go down center line, do my first, <laughs> my first Grand Prix. And like, I could not get my leg to just give and be loose, mm. like be able to do the passage. And I was like four weeks out and I was like, this is a problem. Yeah. Uh, and so I, um, essentially my, my best friend, um, Christian, he's another dressage writer. He, uh, he introduced me to this guy, Ben Patrick, uh, who's like a mobility expert. Mm. And, um, so I started studying his stuff and I was kind of took a different approach of, okay, if I wanted to get my body to be as soft and as supple and as mobile as possible, what would that look like? Um, and so I just started studying that and I started trying some of Ben's stuff. I mean, just to give you a reference, how tight I was in like roughly three weeks, I lowered my stirrups three holes. Wow. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, so it was, it was a massive change and it just completely shifted how I looked at fitness where it was like, okay, cause originally I had looked at it as, okay, there's my fitness life and then there's my riding life. Mm-hmm. And I didn't understand the overlap between and cause yeah, it was cool to be able to deadlift like 300 pounds. Yeah. That's not helpful for my riding. Mm. And so it was kind of, I mean, if anything, it was inhibiting. Yeah. Uh, and so it was like, okay, if I, if I were to want to improve my riding, what would that look like? And then that started the whole flexibility, mobility, uh, just kind of study. And that's kind of led to where, where I am now. And so coaching other people with that and all that good stuff. Wow. That is, that's so cool. And and obviously all the changes that you've seen in your riding, I think it's hard because I, I think where we're at with, with riding and with fitness is it's becoming more and more accepted I guess as part of mm-hmm. that that you need to cross train for riding like we're athletes yes. it's helpful it helps our horses it helps uh you know like our overall um ability to ride better but I think then now t- being able to take it a step further and it's like okay what type of cross training is actually helpful is it really so. helpful to be as strong as possible and uh, which usually you know often comes with getting more stiff and you know I yep. have always been a gym junkie and like I love lifting weights. Um, but I definitely find that that then changes my like overall mobility. So finding ways to be able to incorporate the right type of cross training is, is so crucial. hundred percent. Um, one of your biggest fitness philosophies focuses on feeling loose and supple, you know, as a way to improve performance, um, and to, you know, really help our horses, which, you know, are our partners in the sport. So why do you focus on these two elements of fitness kind of dive a little bit deeper on the specifics of the, um, you know, the mobility and, and the flexibility. Yeah. So one, one thing I just want to make sure everyone understands is that like, 
being loose and being supple and being flexible is just a different version of strength. Mm-hmm. So you don't, you don't get that by, uh, like, cause a lot of people think of flexibility as, oh, I just kind of stretch for two minutes and then I'm right. You know, you just go, go about my life and it goes away. Right. Uh, and so it's actually that when you, when you start to study it, it's more of a, how do I actually show my body that in these lengthened positions, it can be strong. Hmm. And so, um, so the loose and supple, it just really connects with me specifically because I was so tight and so stiff for such a long time, but the way my, my kind of whole philosophy and the way I look at it is like, you imagine a ladder, right? So on one side of the ladder, this, this is kind of my, my idea of, okay, how do I get better at riding? So there's on one side of the ladder, you've got access, right? So in order to ride, I need to be able to get my body to get into my body, be able to use it, right? Just get into the, if you ride dressage or jumping, but dressage specifically is you're constantly putting your muscles into these lengthened positions. Mm-hmm. And so it's okay. Can, can I actually get my body to do that? That's step one. And then other side of the ladder is uh, the control, right? So it's like, okay, when I'm in that lengthened position, can I actually activate and use my body? That can be the hips, that can be the core, that can be, I mean, pick a muscle, uh, but it's having that full access. Um, it's like one of my goals uh, that I'm about to hit is the splits, right? Cause that's kind of, wow. I feel like, yeah. As, as, as deep of access as I can get into my hip flexors and hamstrings. Right. Uh, and then it's okay. Once I'm there, can I control my muscles? Can I activate? So can I flex that muscle while I'm stretching it? Mm-hmm. And so those are, those are the two kind of sides of the ladder. And the thing that connects them is just developing the riding skill. Right. So it's not that like, so the only way that we get better is by just taking what we learn and applying it. Mm-hmm. And that's the only way we get better at riding. And so it's okay. If I can actually get into my body and not fight it and be able to use it, that's going to help me progress a lot faster. Totally. Yeah. From this kind of thought to like what you have found works for yourself, you then developed a single fitness program that works for riders. Why do you feel like it was important for you to create one program that anyone can do? Yeah. Well, part part of that is uh, I think to be excellent at anything, it takes time. Mm-hmm. So I'm on like my, uh, I mean, I've coached this year, somewhere 100 115 riders, something wow. like that. Yeah. Um, and so every iteration of the workouts, it gets a little bit better. It's like right now I'm on like my fourth or fifth, or maybe my sixth version of this, the same exact workout and just changing it, tweaking it and trying to, trying to think of the best way to explain it. So I'm going to, I'm going to zoom out for a second and just kind of mm-hmm. look at the body. So every, everyone's body has certain ranges of motion, right? So you look at, you look at the spine, just as an example. The spine can be uh, flat and extended, right? You can have a flat back. That's what a lot of people do when they work out. It can also be rounded, right? So when you go down to touch your toes, it's the rounding and it can also be rotated. And so in order for the back to not have tightness, all of those muscles and all of those motions have to be equally strong. Does that make sense? Yes, totally. Okay. So it's like, okay, so we've got those three ranges of motion. And now what happens is a lot of people will only train their, uh, will only work out when their back is flat. Mm-hmm. So the muscles that control that flat back get really, really strong and they start to pull on the other muscles. Uh. And so that works with every single one of your joints, like your knees, your ankles, everything. You got to make sure that you're taking every range of motion of the body through its full range. Got it. Can I track with me? Yep. Okay. And so uh, that was the biggest thing is, okay. If we can identify all of these weak points in one program and we can kind of find all of the joints, look at how they work, especially the hips, right? For riders. So, okay. How do we shore up all of these weak points? Because a lot of people, especially riders, right? Have very, very strong hamstrings. Mm-hmm. 
and relatively weak quads. Yeah. So those hamstrings, because the quads and the hamstrings work together, the hamstrings will pull on the quads and that creates a lot of tightness in the hips. Right. So one of the things I focus on a lot is strengthening the muscles of the quads. Totally. To kind of balance that out. And so um, it's essentially, and, and I get the question a lot of like, hey, I have this specific problem in my riding. Hmm. Is what what one thing is going to fix that? Hmm. And it's and it's hard to to give a, a one answer because it's like okay, you look at the hips, right? It could be your hip flexors are tight, or it could be that your glutes are weak, right? Right, and it could be any one of those things. You have to take the body as a comprehensive overview, yep, and identify all of those weak points and then strengthen them up. So a lot of the work that I do is focused on like your hip flexors, your vastus medialis, which is right above the knee, uh, the tibialis, which is the front side of the shins, like the rotator cuff the the ql in the back which is um it's a back muscle that most people don't know about and it often is the root of a lot of back tightness tightness mm-hmm. uh, because most people don't train it right yeah that's so interesting what would you say um because obviously like fitness for equestrians has become more of you know a buzz in our industry what are some mm-hmm. like maybe some common myths that you hear from people that that you would maybe like clear up or that you kind of do differently in your program? Yeah. It's actually really funny that you mentioned that. I just finished writing a script for a piece of content on this specific topic. Um, So I would say uh, first one, and this was um, pioneered by one of my mentors, uh, but it's the idea of training your knee over your toe. Hmm. So um, you've been in the gym. I'm sure you've heard you shouldn't train your knee over your toe. Right. Right. And so the reason that people say that is because when your knee goes over your toe, it does put more strain on your knee. And so Mm -hmm. they say, okay, because it does that, you shouldn't do it. And so, but that would be like me saying, okay, when I do a handstand, there's more pressure on my shoulders than when I do a pushup. Yeah. Right. It's like, yes, that's, that's the point of the exercise. The point is to strengthen that range of motion. Yeah. And so, um, and that's where a lot of uh, chronic knee pain comes from is people never spend time with their knee over the toe and getting into that flexion, that gets back to that range of motion idea. Right. Because when you walk downstairs, like think about what your knee does. Every single step, your knee's going over your toe. Right. And so it's one of those things that's a motion that we have to train. And there's obviously a a very, like you do it safely and progressively. I'm not going to like strap 600 pounds to someone and have them do a knee over toe squat. Totally. Uh, Right. But but it's like the easiest version of that would be walking backwards. Right. So when you take a step backwards, it's a very gentle introduction of that knee over toe. Uh Uh-huh. And that was one thing my mentor really, really hammered on uh, with his clients is uh, he would have them pull a weight sled walking backwards Yeah, because it just it creates a lot of blood flow into the knee in a very safe way. Hmm. And so you can kind of strengthen it up there. So that, that's one of, one of the big examples is just like you, the, the extreme, if anyone sees like my Instagram, the extreme ranges that I go into are natural for the body to do. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's the first one. And then I would say another one is that people view strength as the enemy hmm. and rightfully so, right? Cause I kind of, I mentioned when I was deadlifting 300, I was really, really stiff and tight. Right. Uh, and so it's, it's not that strength is necessarily a bad thing, but tightness is always a function of imbalance. Yeah. Right. So if I'm, uh, we can, if you can imagine a deadlift, right. I'm lifting in a very limited range of motion. My hamstrings are not fully lengthened and they're not fully um, shortened. Mm-hmm. Right. So when I work that very kind of middle range, I'm leaving out parts of it, which then create tightness. Got it. And so if you can strengthen uh, a muscle when it's uh, shortened and a muscle when it's lengthened, then you can have that full range of motion. And that's where the body starts to feel very soft. 
Amazing. That may, yeah, it make it really does make so much sense. It's one of those things where it's like, duh, but <laughs> a lot of us don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's, and it's, and it's, it, well, it's, it's hard to know where to start. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like, okay, right. if I, I, I have knee pain, what, what do I do? How do I introduce that? Yeah. Or I have back pain. Where do I start? I have some really exciting news for any of my equestrian business owners who want some help on marketing both on and offline. On Monday, January 9th from 5 to 7 p.m., my business coach, Miranda Rodriguez, is hosting a workshop that really just helps with equestrian business marketing. And Miranda's not a horse girl, but she is a marketing girl. She knows her stuff and she has helped me so much in my business. Did I also forget to mention that this workshop is completely free? Uh, what you'll get are five tips for marketing for equestrian businesses on and offline, live client testimonials about growing their equestrian business with a marketing coach or consultant, networking with other equestrians and business owners, and a live Q&A with Miranda and a couple of her long-standing equestrian business owner clients. What I also love about this is it is just a small group of business owners. It's not a huge event, so spots are filling up fast. So if you would like to look into this event and sign up while you can, visit Miranda's website at marketinguninhibited.com. That is marketinguninhibited.com. And there will be a link for you to register for the event. Yeah, that's so cool. Stretching is also something you incorporate into your workout plans, but you know, sometimes stretching can just be so boring. It's so hard to find motivation to like put it into your daily routine. What do you kind of do to make stretching, you know, really important or make it easier for riders or, you know, people that you have in your program um, mm -hmm. to actually like work at it every day? Yeah. So I only train four times a week. Okay. So I only stretch four days a week. Um, and so sometimes before my ride, if I'm feeling a little bit tight, you know, mm -hmm. cause I, I sit at my desk for like six hours. So, okay. I'm, I'm going to go, yeah. I'm going to go kind of work this out before I get on my horse and subject him to my body. But yeah. the, so in those four workouts, um, uh, we can take, I'm trying to think of a good example. I use a lot of weights when I stretch. So it's not like your traditional stretching. So it's, uh, mm -hmm. there's a kind of, there's loaded and I mean, there's lots of different ways. The ones that I tend to use are loaded and active stretching. Cool. And so like I will, I will get sore sometimes from the stretches that I do because mm -hmm. it's, it's that idea of, okay, I'm taking my muscle into its lengthened position and I'm strengthening it there. Cool. And so if I, if I can have like two minutes, I can go, I can go deep on this. So when we, when we stretch, our muscles don't actually get longer, which is a, a common misconception. And so what happens is, is we have this thing called a stretch reflex. And so when you go into a stretch, so let's say you're going down to touch your toes, at some point in that stretch, your hamstring is going to contract as part of the stretch reflex. That's what that creates that tightness and that pain that we feel. Mm -hmm. And so it's just the body's response of saying, hey, um, just take me for example, Jack's going to go too far. He's going to hurt himself, you know, just make him feel a lot of pain in his hamstrings and then he'll stop and we don't have yeah. to worry about it. Yeah. Uh, and so great news. It's a protective response. Bad news effective response. And so uh, now we have to, okay, if we can make the body feel strong and secure when it's lengthened, that's where we can get like those, that crazy flexibility and suppleness. And so the kind of a good, good example to think about it is if you have an 18 foot extension ladder, right? Even if that extension ladder is set at 12 feet, at six feet, at eight feet, whatever, it is always an 18 foot extension ladder, right? Mm-hmm. 
So that's how our muscles are. What determines how much access we have to that range is whether, as where, uh, like on that ladder, that would be where those hooks latch on. Right. Right. And so, uh, so everyone has their muscle at one length, but it, uh, depending on that stretch reflex, it's how much access do I have to that length? Got it. And so it's okay. All right. What's the, how do we, how do we actually strengthen that? And so one of the easiest ways that you can start is starting to flex your muscles in that stretch. Cool. I love that. And it's, it's, it's really weird. Uh, and so if anyone goes to my Instagram, I post a lot of them there. That's like probably nice. the most practical help I could give you. So the one, one thing that you can, you can do is if you go down to like touch your toes, and this would be a good hamstring one, and you take a, you do it with a flat back and you bend one leg at a time. And then you just practice bending one leg and straightening the other and flexing your quads. Mm. And you just alternate that for 30 seconds. You're going to feel a really, really, really big difference. Okay. Cool. Love that. I am not great at stretching, so but I think that I think that doing stuff like that could be so helpful because I I find for for myself that I have always focused on you know just like overall strength and then mm-hmm. that translating to strength in the saddle. But there's always that fine line of being to, you know, that strength, like what you were saying, turning into tightness and then that yeah. actually, you know, inhibiting the the suppleness that you could have with your horse. And then that also extends to the idea of being able to have that mobility to be able to. And I think for a lot of riders that they don't even realize that they could have until yeah. they can start kind of like feeling that and having that more, having that, you know, like almost different type of strength to realize like how much more, I mean, like even when you were saying in three weeks, you were able to yeah. put your stirrups down. Like that's just, that's so cool to think about. Yeah. When it's, it's, it's really funny. So yesterday I was in a gym and uh, there's this polo player who I like, I've kind of seen him around. We kind of talked a few times, but he came up to me and he was, I uh, was working out and uh, he was like, Hey man, like kind of been seeing your stuff uh, on Instagram. Um, he was like, and he's like, I he went down and touched toes. And he's like, I have never been able to get further than this. Uh, and I was like, dude, I'm going to do, I'm going to do a hamstring stretch in like 20 minutes. Just come on over here and we'll just yeah. do it together. And so we kind of did like some of the stuff I was talking about, just like teaching him, like, okay, you can, you can flex your quads. You can start to strengthen the stretch. And we had him do it. And he like, afterwards he was like four inches closer wow. to the ground. And so he was, he was like, this is crazy. And that's like the biggest thing I'm like trying to communicate to people is like, most people don't realize how much range of motion they leave on the table, and, mm-hmm. like how much softness they leave. Yeah. Um, and so one of the things that I've kind of been developing in the program, this is not my idea. It was uh, there's a strength coach, Charles Poliquin, who kind of popularized this idea, this idea of standards. So it's like, okay, there is a level where, like, if I can put my palms on the floor, mm-hmm. my hamstrings are probably pretty soft, right? If I can do the yeah. splits, I feel yeah. like my hip flexors and hamstrings pretty good. Right. Um, and so, what most people don't realize, and like the standards that I post on Instagram, is that most people can do that. I would say like 99% of people can get there. Yeah. With the right, I mean, obviously with the right training. Um, How did you, I guess you were saying you're like working towards doing the splits. I can't tell you how many years in a row that that has been my new year's resolution. (laughs) I can, I know either like lose motivation and don't continue to work at it. But for someone who is wanting that extra, especially like hip flexor mobility, um, what are, what are some ways that you got close? Like we're getting closer and closer to that goal. Uh, uh, I don't know if you're going to like my answer. Uh, (laughs) so I, so I started it in February. Okay. Yeah. It is now end of December. Right. And so part of that is I've had, so some of the, 
some of their clients have, I mean, they've, they've progressed much faster than I have. Uh, the biggest thing is sticking to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so for like three months, I was really, really consistent. And then I started trying different stuff and I didn't stick to the original methodology. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then it like kind of, kind of wasted three months trying new things. Yeah. Um, and then I, I learned more of what I was talking about and says, okay, we're, we're going to go back to this. Uh, and so then it was just like, okay, eight months, just twice a week working this over and over and over and over again. And so, but I can give, I can give a practical example. Um, so if you go down and you take your, your legs as wide as you can in the front splits mm-hmm. and you get on your, the, for your front leg, you get on your heel mm-hmm. and the back foot, you get on your toe. Yep. You put a, like a slight bend in your knees, which yep. is a big thing. And you're going to find uh, if anyone tries this, it's really hard to balance. So yeah. I would have something nearby yeah. that you can use to get down to that place where you feel a stretch. And then this is where that activation idea comes in. You want to pull your back toe into the ground as hard as you can Mm -hmm. and pull your front heel in. So it'll Mm -hmm. feel like you're trying to pull the ground together. Yeah. And you hold that for 30 seconds and you try not to like, you use something for balance, but you don't want to hold on to it. Because again, we want to show the muscles, hey, we're in this lengthened position. We can be strong here. Mm -hmm. And you want to teach them that. And so you hold that for 30 seconds and then you do that three times. You're going to, you're going to feel a pretty, pretty solid stretch. Love that. Yeah. Like what are some like specific examples that you feel like have significantly improved by, you know, the way that you are cross training? Yeah. Uh, everyone always talks about, okay, ride from your seat. Mm-hmm. Right. So, okay. What, what does that actually mean? Uh, and so yeah. um, if you, if you look at what the seat is, right, that would be kind of your hips, um, your core and like kind of up your back. Right. Yeah. Yep. Ironically enough, when you look at what the core actually is, uh, it means it's going to be uh, your hips. So that's your hip flexors, hip extensors, like your hamstrings, your adductors, your abductors, your abs, your obliques, your QL, your lower back, and all of the muscles that go along your spine. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, those are the exact same muscles of the seat. So when you train all of those outside of the saddle and you start really starting to get them lengthened and strong, you come back into the saddle. And uh, so this is where it gets practical. For a long time, when I would aid and put my leg on, my leg would come up. Mm. So I would get into this lengthened position and then I would aid and my body would tighten. Yeah. So once I started getting into the lengthened positions and strengthening them there, my body remembers it. And so now it's like, I come in and it's like, oh, my body can, can my leg can stay down when I aid. Uh-huh. Like it doesn't, it doesn't clench up. Uh, right. And so that's, that's one big thing, particularly in my hip flexors because I was so tight. And uh, that, that was, that was a really big one. And then the other is a lot more body awareness. Yeah. So I, again, that, that main idea of the, uh, I don't ever want to be the guy who says that like fitness will replace your riding. It won't because the only way to get better at riding is to just get better at riding. Right. Uh, and so, um, yeah. and so, but if I have the awareness in my body where it's like, okay, I feel this muscle, uh, when Sakari pushes on my right leg, I can feel it in my glute need. Yeah. Like I can feel that and I can activate it and kind of shift her back over. Mm-hmm. And so it's just a way more like fine-tuned awareness yeah. to my body. Yeah, that's huge. What would you say is an area of the industry that you're passionate about that you feel like the rest of the horse world either just doesn't know a lot about or doesn't talk a lot about? I, mean, I hate to sound like a broken record. I'm going to say fitness. <laughs> uh, yeah. Wow, I'm shocked. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's... I don't know. I mean, I think I, I do agree with what you said at the beginning, where it is becoming a more popularized concept of we need to train, like cross train, like it just makes sense. Yeah. Um, 
but I, I do think there, I mean, there's a, there's a level where we, we do need to see ourselves as athletes, but it's, uh, it's also this, if you're trying to communicate with a horse and you're really, really tight, that's going to make it a lot harder. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's like you're, you're, yes, you're sacrificing maybe four hours a week, but you're going to, I mean, you're going to be able to significantly increase your output in the saddle. Right. Um, just because you're not fighting your body. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the biggest thing, this is what I'm, I'm hoping to solve, uh, is that most people just don't know where to start. Right. Like they just don't know, like, how, how do I work out? What does that look like? So practically, I think the biggest thing is they did this study. They found that it takes basically 20 hours to get like decent at a skill. Mm-hmm. And so the thing is, is most people will spend like three years before they start the first hour. Mm. So it's like, if you can plug through those first, like, let's say you work out for one hour. If you plug through those first 20 workouts, yeah, it's a lot easier. Right. Yeah. That's a good, yeah. That's a really good way to think about it. And it's like a little bit more digestible that way. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. For people who are listening, you know, we're at the beginning of the year now. You know, a lot of people have goals around, you know, wanting to be healthy, fit, fit for the saddle. Um, where can they go to get more information about you? Yeah. Uh, so my my Instagram is jack.equibody.fitness, I believe. Okay. If you look it up, it should be there. And there's a, uh, a link in my bio, which could take you to the program. Currently, my uh, my wait list is full through April. So I'm working on hiring some other coaches and training them so I can speed that process up. Nice. Um, but I put a lot more like practical stuff and uh, into my posts. So I would check that out. And yeah. Amazing. Where do you work out in Wellington? Have you heard of resilient fitness? Yeah. Yeah. It's right on okay. Pearson. Yeah, nice. Uh, yeah, that's that's right. That's where I like to go. Um, Love it. It's it's a little bit more expensive than the other places in Wellington, but it's quieter. Yeah, very cool. Love it. Well, Jack, thank you so much for taking the time to walk me through a little bit about how you got to where you are today and how you incorporate your you know fitness into being a better rider. So I appreciate you taking the time. It's a, a super interesting topic for me, and um, I know for for those listening, especially as we are, you know, kicking off a new year. So thank you so much for taking the time and I wish you all the best. Yeah. Thank you. All right. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you next week.